Some men, faint-hearted, ever seek our program to retouch, and will insist, whene'er they speak, that we demand too much. Tis passing strange, yet I declare, such statements give me mirth. For our demands most moderate are, we only want the earth. Be moderate, the trimmers cry, who dread the tyrant's thunder. You ask too much, and people fly from you aghast in wonder. Tis passing strange, for I declare, such statements give me mirth. For our demands most moderate are, we only want the earth. That's very good. Isn't that cool? Yeah. What, what is that? That is a, uh, I guess, a poem or a song. It's in a little collection called Songs of Freedom, so I guess maybe it's a song uh, okay. by James Connolly. Okay. Noted uh, Irish Republican socialist. Yeah. Wow. What a banger. <laughs> I love that it. Pe- these these moderates and trimmers are still around telling us this, oh, <laughs> this <God>. stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> it just they're so scolding everywhere. It's just horrible. Don't don't you're gonna make people afraid with demands for healthcare like all the other countries have. Yeah, it's nuts. Ugh. Or like they're full of excuses for this fucking old ass president, like, oh he just got there. I'm like, motherfucker, he was vice president for eight years. He should know what he's doing by now. Yeah. It's just, just that he's lost some of his ability to know what he's doing in this yeah. in the narrow sense of what literally yeah. is he doing. Uh <laughs> But I mean, I think Connolly would also find our demands sadly trimmed as well. Oh, probably. Like, really? You're still doing that? Yeah. (laughs) We should be instead, as he says here, demanding the earth. Yeah. Yeah. I want it all. All right. What are we doing today? Sounds like we got a theme. Yeah, we have a little bit of a theme here. We're going to be talking about Ireland. Okay. Well, as I mentioned last week, I know nothing like... (laughs) literally nothing (laughs) yeah so i knew surprisingly little when i went into this i knew kind of the overall outlines and i had taken a course on this in college irish history like from 1800 or whatever oh that's cool i didn't know that i dug out my old notes after i had tried to do a bunch of like wikipedia reading i dug out my old notes and was like wow this is uh, (laughs) way easier (laughs) with these notes to kind of condense it Thanks, Past Grady. Yes. So uh, it's a huge story that we're not going to cover all of it. Yeah, that doesn't sound possible. Not possible. And shorter than like a five. I don't know. It would take a long time. So what we're going to do uh, is narrow our scope. Okay. So we're going to be talking about overall our, our subject here is the revolution in Ireland, the struggle for liberation there. Going back from when they're initially like conquered and oppressed by the English and only covering that up through the Easter rising. Okay. I've heard of that sort of. Yeah. We'll, we'll cut, we'll cover that in its entirety (laughs) all the way up until the point when Ireland, uh, declares its independence. They had done it before, but like, this is the time when it actually like when they end up succeeding, but we'll cover the war of independence, you know, next time later. Cool. So, yeah, I think we're planning on kind of sprinkling these throughout so it won't be like next week's episode, mm-hmm. but we'll come back to it kind of like we do that a lot with like Russia because it's obviously a huge history. So, yeah. 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 So this is definitely what I want to revisit because I I have been researching like all of it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it it's it's good shit. It will all fit together. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll all it's great. So we'll be focusing in on the 
kind of the background and then mostly the Easter Rising and especially focus in on one of the figures of the Easter Rising uh, named James Connolly, who we just read his cool poem. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at him because he, he is a an important socialist thinker. So I want to just give you even more background on how little I fucking know. Okay. All right. I'm eager to hear it. There was this tweet going around. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like circle whales on this map and no one from the States could do it, including myself. Ah. And <laughs> That's bad. Um, okay. Here's the thing. Was it a weird map? It was a map of countries, but like it had UK all together. So like I was looking for like a border so I could be like, that one's Wales and there wasn't a border. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't know, one of these like in the sea. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so and this is bad. I I used to know, I guess, the difference between like UK and England and stuff. I think I do now. I'm not 100% sure. But um, I kind of knew it because I was working on it for a client and they were having like a UK themed event. But now I don't remember anything. That's, so Yeah, it's okay. So the UK is like <laughs> the government, you know, mm -hmm. the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. That's like all of it minus the Republic of Ireland. Like everything on the British Isles, the two mm -hmm. islands, minus the southern part of, the Ir of Ireland. Okay. Right? Everything else is UK. Right, and it includes England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Those kingdoms yes. as part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ooh, Ireland. That's why they're united. Okay. Yeah. Then the island is <laughs> like the whole. Both islands are called the British Isles. The island itself is called Britain, the Big Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. And then England's a part of that Big Island. Yes, England is the southern half of the Big Island. Yeah. So you could be. British and be from Wales, but you couldn't be English and be from Wales. Well, I mean, you could have moved to Wales, but yes. Well, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rectangle squaring this. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. All right. So let's get into this. Uh, I wanted to first kind of up top say like, okay, what's the what do we have to gain from talking about this? What are we trying to learn sort of thing? What is our learning target? Yeah, objectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ireland has a revolutionary tradition. Mm-hmm which has been an anti-imperialist force through modern times. It's been an inspiration to, and it's been in solidarity with anti-imperialist struggles worldwide. That sounds great. Kind of. It's kind of like the, the first resistor against particularly British uh, imperialist. Cause they're kind of the OG imperialists as far as I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of their shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, you also have, yeah, they're, I mean, there were other ones, I'm sure, but they were bad. Yeah. The British certainly, you know, they had the famous, you know, sun never sets on the British Empire thing. Like, mm -hmm. they were serious about it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as leftists, I think it's, you know, part of our mission to support struggles for national liberation, uh, struggles against imperialism. Like, we fucking hate imperialism. Dude, it sucks. So, and, that, and that's a big part of the story of Ireland. Take me away. All right. We're going to, like I said, cover from the beginning of its oppression to the War of Independence in 1919. Okay. Part of that's going to be real brief. Part of it's going to be more detail. We're going to be focusing more in detail on like the Easter Rising and stuff like we said. Not a full story here. More of just kind of the overview. Overview. Yeah. All right. I just did a Google. Ireland is the one that looks like a bird. Okay. Confirmed. Great. <laughs> it's the little island by 
by Britain. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> that I had my geography right. Yes. It looks um, like a little dove. If you want like a, I don't know how often these, each of these terms will come in, but some of these terms will, will use like geograph, uh, geographic terms and mm-hmm. where everything is. And I found okay. this helpful when I looked back through my Ireland notes. Ulster is in the north. Connacht okay. is in the west. Leinster is in the east. And Munster is in the south. Ooh, Munster. Like the cheese? Like the cheese, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know any of those places, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll definitely at least be referring to Ulster, so it's helpful to know that those guys are in the north. You know, before in the before times, we were planning a trip to Ireland, oh. and what I remember about it most was one time we were at this bar, and we were talking about it, and this girl came over, and she had this really gorgeous Irish accent, and she was just like, where are you planning on going? And we're telling her, and she's like, fuck Dublin. You don't want to go there. You go to Galway. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this girl really hated Dublin. And I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, well, that would be a real cool trip to go to Ireland. Um, in the world oh, yeah. to come, I definitely do want to visit that at some point. <laughs> at some point. For sure. Uh, all right. Let's jump into this. So uh, we, I've mentioned this term in passing, uh, but I want to make sure that we have a definition for it so that going for it is not too confusing. Okay. So some vocab. The term Irish Republican Socialism. Okay. Because to American listeners. Mm-mm, not that one. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so Republican here in this sense means it's talking about Irish Republicanism. It's the movement to unify an independent Irish nation. Okay. Know, in the form of a republic, right? Popularly elected representatives. They want the entire island to be united and free from British rule. That was my next question. I was going to ask if they wanted Northern Ireland back. Initially, that what you know, the island had not been partitioned yet. So mm-hmm. they were, when they're talking about an Irish Republic, they mean the whole island. And then once mm. it's partitioned, you have some people who are like, this is cool. We like this state. Let's protect it. Versus some people who are like, we want to reunify the whole thing. Okay. So Republican socialism like blends that part of we want to be independent from the British with wanting all of Ireland to be also like a, you know, a part of a social revolution. So a socialist like workers state, workers republic. Sounds great. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about when we use these terms. I don't want them to be too confusing. Okay. All right. Now it's time to dive into the history. I'm ready. And we're going to dive far back uh, because Ireland, like we said, is basically Britain's first imperial possession. Mm-hmm before England at the time appears to conquer them, they had this like uh, kind of clan system going on. It was called the Sept. Yeah. And so everything, like they had kind of almost a system of kind of common ownership. Uh, you did have like kings and uh, like a high mm-hmm. king of all the kings sometimes. Okay. But like it was, def- it was like a clan-based system, so like family structure sort of thing. And there wasn't this concept of like private ownership of the land in terms of like, oh, here's your landlord that you have to pay or, mm. you know, here, go work on this stuff for a wage from this person. It was more of like, we work this land together. We have this for our clan. I mean, it's not a perfect society. I mean, they have wars and stuff and yeah, general, like, you know, they do suffer from the things that people suffer from under <laughs> like less developed <laughs> societies, I guess. But like, it's not capitalist in any way. Interesting. Okay. Sounds cool. Well, it's cool. It's medieval, though. You know, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, not, I wouldn't want to go there, yeah, but... 
sounds like it has its own difficulties, but that's kind of where they're coming from when you face the uh-huh. Anglo-Norman invasion of 1169. Jesus, we went way back. Yeah, and we're not going to spend too much time, but the English show up. They are the like the, the Normans, because it's like after William the Conqueror, so after the Norman invasion. So they're not Anglo-Saxons anymore? Yeah, they're like Anglo-Normans now, yeah. Okay. The ruling classes, anyway. Not too important. They come in. It's super important in the big picture, but it's not like (laughs) the details are. Not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. uh, They come in. They, you know, take over. Uh Uh-huh. It's a war of conquest. Yeah. And this establishes England's claim over Ireland. So afterward, they're going to be like, look, we conquered you back in the day. You're ours. Is there a reason they conquered them? They just like wand the land? Yeah. I didn't know if there's like a specific resource they were after. Not really. Just the land okay. and domination. They and, just wanted it. Uh, I mean, they were establishing feudalism and under feudalism, like the land is your rich, is your riches. So. That's true. Yeah. Wealth, you know, the primitive accumulation of capital. Then the ruling elites there kind of just mm, assimilate into Irish life, basically. Okay. They become sort of like the Irish were before they conquered and eventually everything kind of falls back out of English control and you have the Tudors come in and like reconquer stuff and uh uh, this is in 1529 so like centuries later okay okay they come in they're like what happened this is bullshit let's conquer it again (laughs) and they do and then this starts a system called the plantations of Ireland well that's you know got some bad connotation there we pretty much never like plantations Yeah, I don't think there's a reason to ever be positive towards that word. Yeah, Uh, and it wasn't good here. This was where they were like colonizing. They were settling Ireland, parts of it, with English people. Okay. So they were taking lands from the Irish uh, Catholic population that lived there, taking it and giving it to English immigrants. That sucks. Yeah. That's a bad one. Okay. It was... You know, also a brutal kind of warfare. It, it there were there were multiple wars involved, complicated stuff, but that's mm-hmm. what they did. That's the result. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. Uh yeah, not good. Uh then a century later, sixteen forty nine, you have the invasion of Cromwell. Okay. Is this that Oliver Cromwell guy? Yeah, Oliver Cromwell. Is he the spooky one? There's like a spooky guy. I mean he you know, his army's <laughs> He's fighting in the in the in the English civil wars, so like I'm thinking of Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Crowley. I don't okay. know. He's an occultist. Yeah, no, that's not him at all. Not him, okay. <laughs> no. He wasn't a secret occultist. Way different. No. Uh all right, that's fine. <laughs> no, he was very like pious. I don't know. But mm, he okay, also okay. his armies like end up Opposite. killing a ton of people, so not okay. that pious. Anyway, <laughs> Cromwell's invasion of Ireland is brutal terrible tons of people are killed mm-hmm. uh what's the death toll casualties and losses unknown okay we'll just assume it's bad 15 to twenty thousand battlefield casualties over 200 to six hundred thousand civilian casualties okay very bad yeah 50 around around fifty thousand deported as indentured laborers oh wow so if you are talking to an Irish person and they ever, you know, spit when you mention Cromwell's name, since that comes up in conversation all the time. I'm always going up to people. Yes. Yeah, asking, that's what why. do you think about this guy? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. After that, ca- the Catholic population in Ireland, which had done this revolt that led to Com- Cromwell's invasion, 
Mm, okay. They end up being a subjugated population. That sucks. Yeah. They pass all these laws to restrict their rights and okay. make things shitty for them. Uh, and so, yeah, Ireland is throughout this time and ever since that time used and abused by the British Empire. It's funny that they conquered it and then like <laughs> centuries later, like, I was just here like 300 years ago. <laughs> like, Let me clean this up. What? what? I turned my back for what, 200 years and yeah. now this happened? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they, they end up, it's basically because they don't care that much about it. Like, it's just supposed to be like extra, basically extra income for them. Yeah. If you don't care about it, then maybe you don't need it. Yes. Take care of your shit. <laughs> Put up your toys before you play with the next toy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Ireland suffers under the British, basically, in those. Yeah, sounds bad. All that time. Yeah. And they're not doing it passively. Remember, one of the things we loved when we were reading Galliano is the story of people resisting against all this bullshit. And people uh -huh. in Ireland were doing the same thing. Cool. Aside from a group called the Unionists, who were in Northern Ireland and Ulster who mm -hmm. were descendant from the the plantations. So people who mm, had okay. moved in and settled to Ireland oh. and were now, they were mostly Protestant and they were, mm -hmm. you know. They were cool with this. Yeah, because they weren't really on the oppression end of it. Yeah, they're like, it's time for me, man. It was kind of like their government was coming in and help, you know, protecting them from yeah, everyone yeah. else. So they kind of liked it. They wanted to stay in the UK that was that was fine with them. A lot, yeah. most other people though in Ireland were rebelling against this periodically, never really successfully, though. Yeah, uh, there were physical attempts to do this. There's like a rebellion in 1798 called the Rebellion of 1798. <laughs> Catchy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's the Young Irelanders Revolt in 1848. That's a cool one. That sounds like a cool music festival. Oh yeah, man. It <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of others. Uh, okay. They get crushed in various ways. Okay. That sucks. There's social movements, which kind of, they have some limited success. Uh, there's like the effort for land reform. Okay. Basically, it's like a campaign against landlords. Great. Love to see it. One of these efforts actually leads to the creation of the word boycott. Really? How did that happen? There was this guy. And? I'm not going to pay your... Rent until you get me a cot and I'm a boy. That was it, right? No. <laughs> uh, there was this guy named Captain Boycott, Charles Cunningham Boycott. Okay. And he was an asshole. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, he was like a like a landlord, you know? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. he, he was such an asshole to people that, like, the town that he lived in, every like, people, not only the people who owed him money, but everyone else in there, was like, this guy's such a, like, such a dick. Like, let's... Let's refuse to do any business with him. Refuse to, like, socially to acknowledge him at all. Like, this dude is persona non grata here. That's fantastic. They just shunned this dude. They shun him into leaving. He left. That's great. We should do that with all of our landlords. Yeah. And this is where the term uh, boycott comes from is because of this guy. Interesting. Well, you know I love a word history. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of the land reform efforts. And like I said, uh, some success. They do like pass some kind of moderate land reform bills or whatever in parliament. Uh, there's also a social movement for the separation of church and state. All right. Can, can you give me a range of what time zone we're looking at here? Yeah. So the land reform effort uh, ends up 
uh, the land war, which is part part of this camp, and it's a bunch of different campaigns. But yeah, we're talking around 1879. Okay, we jumped a bit. All to, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reform bills end up being passed in like 1903. Oh, Jesus. Okay. This, this is a slow process. Uh, yeah. Then the separation for church and state, like this was against the Church of Ireland, which is just the Church of England, but in Ireland. Uh, okay, the administration arm of that. Yes, and uh, it was like the official church, and you like had to pay a tax that paid for it. That sucks. But like almost nobody there was actually a Protestant member of that yeah. church, so <laughs> that's why you know everybody hated it, and so they eventually yeah. got rid of got rid of that part. It was still around, okay. but you didn't have to pay for it. And uh, eighteen sixty nine, so. Okay. We're just talking cool. about, yeah, the 19th century, basically, here. All right. You also had political resistance. And this is going to become, like, the main form of resistance against it, against British rule, because it was centered on something called the Irish Home Rule Movement. All right. These guys wanted self-government for Ireland cool. within the United Kingdom. So, like, let us, you know, okay. pass laws for ourselves, but you're still going to be kind of in charge. All right, like a federalist kind of thing. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Let us be our own state. Before Cromwell, mm-hmm. Ireland had had its own parliament. It was a puppet of yeah. the British <laughs> parliament. Because uh, like, you had to be Protestant to be in it. You oh, had to cool. pay, pay enough money. Like, <laughs> so. That's very shitty. It's, that's <laughs> not good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Cromwell came in and like, you guys can't even handle that. And he took it away and just said, we're ruling you directly. Do you sure? Uh, yeah, I mean, he sucked. They still have like a house of lords, right? Like, that's insane to me, guys. We got to stop that. Well, the house of lords has like no power now compared to then. Really? But yeah. Okay. Uh, compar- I don't know if they can act. They might can do some things now, but house of lords. I bet they can't do fucking anything. I want to find out. I feel like they just yell at each other in fancy clothes. That's the House of Commons, too. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's unable to prevent bills from passing into law, except in certain limited circumstances. I assume, you know, if someone's trying to pass a socialist worker state. (laughs) Or Uh, if they pass a bill, like, let's kill all the House of Lords. Like, no, not that one. (laughs) It can delay bills, and it can force the Commons to reconsider their decisions. (laughs) Go back to your room and think about this. (laughs) Think about what you've done. Uh, yeah, I think the House of Lords should be abolished, but uh, it's, it's nowhere near the, like, it doesn't have the power for evil that it once did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, at least. Because <laughs> back in the day, it was really quite an obstacle. The Home Rule Movement, they wanted Ireland to have its own, like, self-government, its own parliament, basically do its own thing, but also the UK still could kind of still be in it. charge. Yeah. Okay. It wanted to be kind of like, you know, Scotland or Wales, you know, other they have their own, like, kind of thing going, but... I don't know. They wanted more of their own rule. Okay. The main party that was advocating this was called the Irish Parliamentary Party. Okay. They wanted a parliament in Ireland. pretty straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) They're very moderate. These were the moderate guys that Connolly was talking about. They tried and they failed multiple times to get a home rule bill passed in British Parliament. The first attempt failed straight up in the House of Commons. Like, just failed. No. Yep. Okay. The second one failed in the House of Lords. It got through the House of Commons, but then the House of Lords was like, are you kidding me? No. This will, uh, the third try, however, they end up succeeding. Okay. But this causes a lot of issues. Why is that? Well, so in 1912, 
is when they get the third home rule home rule bill introduced. Okay. And this really pisses off the unionists in Ulster in Northern Ireland. Oh, in the north, yeah, those Protestant guys. They are super yeah, they are super afraid of being governed by a Catholic majority government. Oh, cuz they're like shit, they could turn the tables and then we'll be persecuted. Yeah. And you know, they invoke a lot of like bigoted like kind of language about this. Their their phrase for this whole thing was home rule is Rome rule. Wow, cool. Yeah. It's catchy, <laughs> but it's pretty it's pretty much a dick. It's pretty anti Catholic, that's bad. Okay. Uh yeah. So they in nineteen thirteen they create the Ulster Volunteer Force. Okay. This is like a military group? Yeah, this is a militia. Shit. And the militia vowed that they would fight by whatever means necessary against home rule oh, being gosh. implemented in Ulster. Oh, gosh. So now we're splitting. Okay. Yeah. Now, the bill hasn't even been passed yet. This is- <laughs> So they're just threatening. It's just been introduced. Shit. They still have to, you know, vote on it and stuff. But but yeah. In the meantime, the uh, the British Parliament took away the House of Lords' power to- Straight up veto bills. Okay. So they could uh, delay them. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about. But they couldn't. Yeah. But they couldn't uh, veto them anymore. Like just reject them. So they could delay it for two years, but they couldn't like actually stop it. So people figured at this point, home rule bill is probably going to happen at some point. Yeah. So that's why Elster so freaked out. Yeah. In response to all this, the Irish nationalists create their own volunteer militia called the Irish Volunteers. Okay. They say, you got a militia, we can get one too. Damn, getting ready to pop off. Yeah, uh, it's designed to protect against the UVF, basically, the Ulster Volunteer Force. Mm, Okay. It's a big tent organization, uh, members from all these different groups, and this all gets kind of complicated, but most importantly, it includes members of a political party called Sinn Féin. All right. What's, what is, does it have a translation or something? Uh, sure. It's translation means ourselves. Okay. In English, ourselves. Uh, Sinn Féin, it's a nationalist political party. Uh, it was at the time kind of moderate, like they still wanted this kind of like monarchy thing, but they wanted it to be sovereign, you know, its own state sort of thing. Okay. So like they could have their own king? Sort no, like a, like a dual monarch, like they were, mm, Hard to describe, but they wanted it to be more of a national, they're more nationalist, I guess, in that sense. They they wanted, they didn't want to be like, yes, please, you know, England, can we please do this? They wanted (laughs) to be kind of on par with them, but paired up too. Okay. So we could still be pals, but let me do my own thing. Yeah. Okay. At the time, they're going to later on become a lot better than that and become like Republican and everything. But that's where they were then. Okay. Everybody grows, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Got to start somewhere. Yeah. And uh, you also had the Irish Republican Brotherhood. Okay. That's a cool name. These guys were a secret organization. They sound very secret. Once again, picturing some robes here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Irish Republican Brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, I think you're just thinking of the Dark Brotherhood. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Which they were not. Uh, I don't think you had to murder anyone to be in that. Damn. Okay. The, those are the, like, there's other groups too, but those are the ones that are going to come into play. Their members were members of the Irish Volunteers and they got heavily involved. 
things are getting crazy, basically. Like you said, it looks like things are going to pop off, right? The yeah. Militias, they're forming, they're drilling, they're arming themselves, they're getting ready for war if it breaks out. And both sides are basically saying, whatever means necessary, man, we're going to protect our shit. Shit, okay. Add to the mix, you've got British army officers cool. threatening to uh, resign en masse if they are ordered to arrest unionist militias. So the UVF, the Northern Ireland, if they're ordered to take action against oh, them, okay. they like, threaten no. that they're going to resign. Oh, fuck that. Go ahead. I'd love it. Yeah. I could use a few less <laughs> imperialist soldiers. But of course, the British government's freaked about that. Yeah. Add to the mix of something a little bit more uh, world of worldwide significance. World War One breaks out. Yeah, I was going to say, not a great time to be planning this. <laughs> yeah. Well, World War One breaks out, 1914, and the Irish volunteers split. Boom. Mm. Most of them, the ma- a pretty big majority of them, go to enlist in volunteer units to, in, the, in the British Army. They, they sign up for the war. Wow. They go sign up for this bullshit imperialist war. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad one. Meanwhile, Parliament finally gets around to passing the Home Rule Bill. Is this during World War One? This is, well, yeah, this is during World War One, and since that's the case, they pass a bill alongside it saying, well, this is during World War One, so we're going to delay implementation of this uh, for a year. Okay. That should give the war time to be over. We all know it's not going to take <laughs> too long. We all know it was a one-year war, right? That was a quickie. <laughs> uh, it also had a little clause in there that was like, if... If somehow the war is still going on, we can keep delaying it for like six month intervals. Wow, that sucks. Uh, so they do. They keep doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, they keep delaying it. And the Repub- the IRB, the Republican Brotherhood, they're pissed. Mm-hmm. And they start planning a rebellion. Okay. They're like, this is not going to work, man. These guys are going to keep delaying this. Oh, for sure. Uh, but they're real slow about planning the, <laughs> planning the rebellion. They're busy. There's a war. Yeah, and they gotta, you know, they gotta consolidate, get all their. They gotta make new robes. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, we'll add another militia. New militia entering the ring. <laughs> yeah, the Irish Citizens Army. Okay, gosh, I'm gonna get so confused with all these these dudes. It's okay. They'll join up soon. It's okay. Fine. I don't have to worry about it then. <laughs> yeah. The Irish Citizens Army is pretty cool, though. They're founded by Jim Larkin, Jack White. Not that Jack White. Not that Jack White. Okay. <laughs> and uh, James Connolly. Or is he a time traveler? Uh, could we be. may I never really, know. Haven't looked into it. What does Jack White in this case look like? Well, he doesn't really look like him. Okay. No. He's hot in his own way. He's got kind of a cool, like, noir detective thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Like a knockoff Indiana Jones. A little bit, yeah. Like, he's going to come into a room and tell you what's what. (laughs) I like how when people on Wikipedia have their name parentheses something, it's like, not that (laughs) so-and-so. This one. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, you've got kind of quite the powder keg going on here. I want to focus in on the last guy here, James Connolly, a little bit. Okay. Because he will play a big role in the rising itself, but also just as a as part of the socialist movement here, cool. which is also going on at the same time. Mm, okay, okay. All right. So James Connolly, uh, he was born in 1868, ends up dying in the rising in 1916. Spoiler. Spoiler. Alert. Yeah. Okay. Bummer. Well, we can we can cut it if we no, don't want to spoil okay. it for people. Uh, <laughs> 
James Connolly, he's worthy of a whole episode in and of himself. Yeah. Uh, but he'll, for now at least, he'll have to suffice with kind of a kind of a summary here. Okay. He grew up poor in Scotland to Irish immigrant parents. Mm, okay. And he works from an early age. He's poor like all his life. He's mm-hmm. working class, like poor working class, we're talking. You know? Okay. Uh, he joins the British Army in his youth. Interesting. And hates it. He ends up going to going to Ireland in that capacity. Yeah. And participating in like the land war and sees Ooh. like how shitty everything is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And hates it. They they say we're gonna ship you off to India. That's your next deployment. He deserts. Cool. Uh, and like lifelong hatred of the British Army because of that. My kind of guy. All right. <laughs> uh he becomes a Marxist. Also my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> He starts reading, you know, just Marxist literature, says this is dope, ends up moving to Ireland, where in 1896, he founds the Irish Socialist Republican Party. Okay. It starts out as kind of like a club, a book club or just a social club or whatever. Real small organization. That's how most of these leftist orgs start. You know, it's just like nerds, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, we got to we gotta start some nerd clubs, I'm thinking. We'll just start uh, throwing in some socialism into our D&D group and yeah. We'll become, yeah. <laughs> It'll happen. The uh, Irish Socialist Republican Party, it's real small, okay, but it's important just because it's the first Socialist yeah. Republican Party in Ireland. All right. Does it have to be secretive? Do they have ropes? They are not secretive. Okay. They're out in the open. The, okay. the, the initial club might have been, I don't know, secretive, but no, because he like answered an ad for the, he found <laughs> out that they were like, they had a job open. That's why he went. Oh, so yeah, funny. it's not secretive no. at all. Okay. Uh, and his socialist views, I kind of wanted to get into, like yeah. his perspective. Yeah, I'm curious about that because, like, so far it's been very, like, nationalist or, like, you know, moderate, just give us a little bit of power. But, like, I, I haven't heard a lot about, like, materially, besides the land reform stuff. So mm-hmm. lay it on me. All right. So Connolly is, it's important to note that he's coming from a very, you know, proletarian, a very worker's. Yeah common background so he's not really going to ground things and it's, it's not going to get too intellectual or abstract that's fine by me it's really like concrete he says okay old ireland was kind of proto-socialist yeah yeah there was this system of kind of social rights of democratic principles he said property was intended to serve people and not the other way around mm-hmm. he saw the home rule movement as just kind of like bourgeois bullshit this is just a parliament that's going to be you know in charge in the capitalist control and not in our control yeah move the boot to somebody else's foot it's going back right on the neck yeah yeah here's how he puts that actually he says after ireland is free says the patriot who won't touch socialism we'll protect all the classes and if you won't pay your rent you'll be evicted same as now but the evicting party under the command of the sheriff will wear green uniforms and the harp without the crown and the warrant turning you out on the roadside will be stamped with the arms of the irish republic oh good thanks so he says one master you know it's 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 just a different different name yeah i mean at least if i get thrown in jail or something it'll be by a black vice president who's a woman so woo there you go yeah <laughs> Uh, so he said it's useless to fight for Republicanism without that social reform too. You have to have both, uh, independence and worker control, Republicanism and socialism. 
All right. What were, I guess, conditions like in Ireland then? I imagine bad. <laughs> Very bad. Okay, great. Yeah. Not great, but okay. Dublin was described as Europe's biggest slum, basically. Oof, okay. Massive overcrowding in terms of, especially in Dublin, mm-hmm. just the housing situation uh, in terms of working, people were working crazy hours and, and horrible working conditions. The, he's he's part of the part of leading the beginnings of the workers movement of unionizing and things uh, him and another guy named Jim Larkin okay and they're really doing this because conditions are so bad I mean okay. it's kind of like how we were how we looked at in open veins you know when we look at the American worker situation in the industrial revolution it's bad mm-hmm. and people work band together to fix it but it's that much worse when you're talking about the colonized countries. Yeah, I was I was curious to see if it was significantly worse than than like England and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's it's a, it's a parallel in mm-hmm. that way. It's worse than the workers condition there, yeah. Okay. He um was also a feminist. Nice. He was total feminist. He said if the worker is a slave, then a woman is the slave of that slave. Referring I mean, to. Yeah. Yeah. The double sure. oppression there. Yeah. And he kind of synthesized this view of feminism with his republicanism, with his socialism. He saw it as all bound up together, the struggle against oppression. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It was all kind of the oppression of capitalism, but it wasn't enough just to be like, let's fight capitalism. It'll fix everything. Right. He kind of said that, you know, a social revolution would also be required. I mean, you know, the socialist revolution would fix the economic problems but that's it like you have to also change the change society's you know views i guess have that cultural change yeah i i've been seeing a lot of that discourse lately of people kind of accusing leftists of only viewing things materially and i'm i i don't know i push back against that a little bit because i'm like you have to realize materialism and racism are closely linked and like Mm -hmm. i'm going to keep talking about that yeah so i think it's okay to focus on material stuff as long as you like interweave it with like yeah like these other social problems still exist and they're they support each other i don't know in the past i think i've been somewhat guilty of that because i do tend to focus on you know hey we've got to fight capitalism first and foremost and then everything else gets pushed aside you know partially probably because of who i am you know i like i don't suffer from directly these oppressions but it is important i think that to acknowledge that they they actually are they both need to be fought for yeah, I at the same time. I think it just goes back to that superstructure thing. Like they mm-hmm. they affect each other, they are upheld by each other, so we have to do both. Yeah, it's not enough to fight for just either one. Yeah. So shoe on the other foot, it's not enough just to fight for representation or just to fight for, you know, liberation of different groups. Like you also have to fight what is the main oppressor of all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh so yeah, Connolly was on board with that. Cool. Way back when. Love it. Uh, he was, like we said, always a common person, always putting things into ways people could understand. He also would like uh, infuse his, how he would reach out to people with kind of like Catholic social teaching. You know, just okay, that's what smart. he was brought up in and how people he interacted with. Yeah, he knew his audience. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of wraps it up in this kind of early Christian, like sense of morality, justice, you know, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. In 1903, he went to America 
He hung out with uh, our friend Danny DeLeon over there. Oh, hey, I love him. He always does both <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> he hung out with uh, Big Bill Haywood. Who's that? Is that like a cowboy? <laughs> it does sound like it, right? <laughs> uh, but he was a union organizer. Okay. Uh, of the, Part of the IWW. Oh, cool. So, yeah, he, he was hanging out with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just Bill Haywood, but his nickname is Big Bill. So. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a huge dude. Like, he was just oh, okay. huge. And when he comes back, he does this big American tour. It's for a while. It's like seven years. Wow. Okay. That he, him and his family, they're out there. He comes back. He has some heavy syndicalist influences, you know, the labor mm, union yeah, guys. Yeah. He wants to basically create the IWW's, you know, one big union. He wants to unionize the whole place, have a big okay. general strike, lock out the employers, revolution. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I like how he puts it. He says, you know, in, in, in response to the accusation, you know, would you confiscate the property of the capitalist class and rob men of that which they have perhaps worked a whole life to accumulate? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's his response, too. <laughs> yes, sir. And yeah. certainly not also, because uh, he says, we would certainly confiscate the property of the capitalist class, but we don't want to propose, we don't propose to rob anyone. On the contrary, we propose to establish honesty once and forever as the basis of our social relations. The socialist movement is indeed worthy to be titled the great anti-theft movement of Ooh. the 21st century. Oh, I 20th love it. century, he says. Sorry. Yeah. It makes me think of that. Have you seen that chart? That's like, it was talking about all the types of, of theft in, I think it was LA County. And like, all of it was wage theft, basically. And robbery was like 5% or something like this mm -hmm. little tiny box in the corner. Yeah. Robbery, shoplifting, any of that is yeah, yeah. minuscule yeah. compared to the real thieves, which are the wage th thieves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I like that That's way of putting it is that, <laughs> hey, no, actually, we're we're trying to like unrob people. Yeah, you're the fucking thieves. <laughs> also, the they worked hard all their life, like yeah. fucking <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm making the jerk off motion. And I picture him doing that when he's giving the speech too, or, you know, he, he's just like, oh, my whole life through oh, human, no. you know, like, <laughs> I'm sure he was sassy. I'm sure. He seems to be less sassy in like the piss off your friend sense. Than okay. like Lennon was, you know. Okay, he, he didn't start shit. No, he's Good. he's a friend, dude. He's ev <laughs> like pretty when everybody loved him, pretty much. Oh, that's it's great. what it seems like. All right, Danny DeLeon didn't, but he didn't like anyone. Okay. At, well, after their initial friendship, they end up like parting ways because DeLeon's like, "You like religion too much. You should be a strict atheist." <laughs> okay. Connolly's like, "I'm from Ireland." Yeah. What <laughs> like, are you gonna do? <laughs> so anyway, he goes back to Ireland in 1910. And he works with Jim Larkin, who's this socialist trade union guy uh, who was in charge of the, or working with the Irish Transportation and General Workers Union, which is just this big, you know, labor union. Mm -hmm. And with Larkin, he founds the Labor Party of Ireland cool. in 1912 as like a political arm to the labor union congress there called the Irish Trade Unions Congress. It's just a, a group of labor unions. What was this guy's name? What's his first name? Who? Connolly. Ja uh, James Connolly. James. I looked up John. I was trying to see if he was hot. Oh, he was not hot. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. He's cute, but I don't think he's hot. No, he's like middle-aged fella. He seems yeah. like a nice boy. 
<laughs> I would trust him. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in 1913, he founds the Irish Citizens Army. Okay. Uh, which we mentioned before, this new militia group, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Its purpose was to protect workers from pol- police violence. Okay. Because police violence had been a big part of shutting down the Dublin lockout. Mm, okay. When was that? So this was in 1913, too. Okay. And it was a massive, uh, but the best way to put it is a reverse strike, where the employers in Dublin locked out some 20,000 workers from their factories. Oh. Because the workers were demanding better working conditions and the right to unionize. Shit. And so the employers were like, huh, you want that? Well, good luck. <laughs> God, what shitheads. Okay. Yeah. When the workers were like out protesting and stuff, uh, the the police like started cracking heads and doing cavalry charges on As people and do. shit. And uh, the police were being police, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Connolly and Larkin were like, fuck that. And so they founded the Irish Citizens Army to uh, fight back. Okay. And sure enough, the cops kind of laid off a little bit after. Ooh. After they saw that people were like, you know, going to not take it. Do they have like guns and shit? Uh, yeah, they did. They had, shit. they had like rifles. Okay. He armed the people. Yeah. That, you know, adds to the situation before the maybe civil war about to happen. Right. Okay. And then in 1914, when World War One breaks out, Connolly, looking at it, says, stupid he says i know of no foreign enemy of this country except the british government <laughs> and okay he's just like this is dumb why would yeah. we do this waste of time yeah so he was probably really pissed when everyone left to go fight yes yeah he thought that was stupid um and he's because he has this very internationalist view mm-hmm. in one of the pamphlets that he put out it's a great name it's called socialism made easy it's like a cookbook <laughs> yeah <laughs> beginner socialism uh and he's talking about like how workers basically how workers of the world should unite and like how we're all in this together here's here's a passage i kind of wanted to to read about that it says the shares of russian railways african mines nicaraguan canals chilean gas works norwegian timbers mexican waterworks canadian fur trappings australian kanaka slave trade Indian tea plantations, Japanese linen factories, Chinese cotton mills, European national and municipal debts, and the United States bonanza farms are all bought and sold by investors, many of whom never saw any one of the countries in which their money is invested, but who have, by virtue of so investing, a legal right to a share of the plunder extracted under the capitalist system from the wage workers whose bone and sinew earn the dividends upon the bonds they have purchased. Hot damn. That is some straight fire. I love this guy. Yeah. He goes on kind of after that a little bit to say the wage worker is oppressed under this system, you know, in the interest of these capitalist investors who may be living thousands of miles away and whose very names are unknown to him. Mm-hmm. He's therefore interested in every revolt of labor all over the world for the very individuals against whom that revolt may be directed may by the wondrous mechanisms of the capitalist system through shares, bonds, national municipal debts, whatever, be the very parasites who are sucking his blood also. Wait, can you break that one down for me? Sure, yeah. <laughs> so basically the worker, right, uh-huh. because of this sort of invest international investment thing, yeah, could be being oppressed by any capitalist anywhere around the world. Yeah, so when he no tunes idea. in, Yeah, so when we tune in and we see, 
hey, these workers are being oppressed in this country. We're not like, well, that sucks. That's in their country, though. Because the people who are oppressing him over there, those could actually be the guys who own the stock in the place that is oppressing you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder if Galliano read this guy. Like, this is straight up his alley. Yeah, it reminded me of it for sure. So, yeah, it's that's part of his internationalist streak. Very cool. Uh, the he also, he also had a cool little anti-monarchy nice bit that i wanted to read because it's funny okay great tell me tell me his cool king joke he's <laughs> he's basically making fun of rich people and <laughs> parliament and government and stuff when they're like oh we can't do these good things for you because it's that would be bad for you actually cuz oh, it it yeah. make you it make you irresponsible the charity thing uh, you know? yeah and he's saying, you know, they do all these things. They lower our wages. They increase our rents. They do all this to prevent improvidence, to make sure that we don't do shit that we shouldn't do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's talking about old age pensions. He says, old age pensions might do us harm. That's what they say to us. Ah, yes. Yet come to think of it, I know quite a number of people who draw old age pensions, and it doesn't do them a bit of harm. Strange, isn't it? Then all the royal families have pensions, and they don't seem to do them any harm. <laughs> Royal babies, in fact, begin to draw pensions and milk from a bottle at the same time. Oh, my God. Afterwards, they drop the milk, but they never drop the pension. I mean, it's so true. Like, who was I listening to? It was the uh, the West Wing thing. They were talking mm-hmm. about the fucking stimulus check. And it's it's like they don't want to do something so they don't have to I don't think it's because they actually have a moral standing or whatever. Mm -mm. They just don't want to do things. They're just like, fuck, if we do this, they'll realize we can do things for them. (laughs) They'll realize we can do things for them. They'll realize that they don't have to, like, work as hard. They don't have to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like they're trying to hold back the dam of, like, realizations. It's just like, no, we can't because then it'll snowball. And it's just insane. (laughs) It's like, what if you just did your fucking job? Yeah. For real. So that's uh, kind of a little bit about Connolly before he okay. gets involved in this. That's who he was. That's what okay. he was doing. All right. But he gets involved in this. Remember, where we're at is that home rule's about to happen. Yes. And both sides are fucking going crazy. So yeah. Not not a good time. They're mad. Ulster's mad because they're afraid that it's going to be bad for them. The Irish nationalists are mad because the Ulster guys are mad. Uh, let's hop back into the story here. So Connolly, with his Irish citizens army, uh, starts saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do a rebellion. Cool. We're, we're going to do it. <laughs> okay. All right. He puts and it on his calendar. He starts basically threatening this rebellion, planning this rebellion because like nothing's happening, dude. Because yeah. Yeah. The home rule bill people are dragging, dragging their, their feet. feet. Yeah. And this is crazy. This reminds me of something that's happening now, actually. Uh, you remember back right after George Floyd was murdered, mm-hmm. the Minneapolis city council said, we're going to disband the police. Yep. Back this past December, they voted instead to uh, to trim the police budget by 5%, less than 5%. Holy shit. This Friday, like the Friday before you guys are going to hear this, okay. uh, they voted actually to allot them more money <laughs> to hire more police officers. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, the 
Buffalo guy, the old man that got mm. knocked down, they dropped the charges against all the officers. Like, yeah. they we they truly are capitalizing on our short attention spans as much mm-hmm. as possible and just being like, okay, you've already forgotten about this. And it's like, I, I fucking have it. I think that's where Connolly was at that time, man. Because he, he's like, okay, yeah, they told you they were going to pass the home rule bill. Well, where is it? Yeah. Right? Like, we're waiting. Like, I know there's a world war, but like, fucking just get on with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll promise anything when you're paying attention and then- Move they'll, on. Keep, they'll find excuses and distractions and that is truly especially now i feel like how it works like i think in the trump era it was more like distractions are like petty and like scandalous and shit like that mm-hmm. and now the distra- distractions are like cutesy it's like biden's dog gave a press conference <laughs> stupid <laughs> shit like fucking they had this video of like biden and his wife putting up like these really horribly ugly like valentine's hearts across their yard and i'm like <laughs> I don't, this isn't what I want. Go, go back to work. <laughs> That's funny. No, I didn't yeah. even see that. It's bad. Don't, it's stupid. <laughs> I didn't watch the video. I just saw a clip. For, I just saw like the still and I was like, I can't, I can't with you. <laughs> so that's where Connolly was. And so he mm-hmm. says, fuck it. We'll do a rebellion. Nice. The problem is the ICA is not very big. Oh. Right, so the citizens army might not be able to actually pull this off. And that's what the IRB, the Republican Brotherhood, the secret society mm, with the ropes. Yeah, yeah. They were worried about that. They're like, this is going to fail and the British are going to show up and, you know, mop it up and also mop up us. They're going to like catch on to our plans, which we've slowly been working on. So they bring in Connolly and they say, hey, look, work with us. Team up with us. Don't do a rebellion yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wait till Easter. All right. Easter 1916. That's when we'll do it. Can you work with us there? Can you wait till that long? Uh Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay. Easter, 1916. All That's right. when we'll do it. Let's do it. I'm going to start celebrating Easter in a different way, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, we should commemorate this every time. <laughs> they start training, drilling, organizing, all this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's pretty open <laughs> in some ways. They do, they're like, it. okay, this day we're going to do, uh, we're going to do like a parade. Wow, a parade. Can you imagine if like we're... <laughs> We're going to have a socialist parade. Like, oh, my God, we'd, we would all die. <laughs> yeah. And the British, and that's because of the lessons they learn here. Because, they, I mean, they go, they parade with, you know, in formations and shit and do, like, drills, you know. And wow. the British are like. That's cute. <laughs> kind of. Well, they're kind of, like, racist about it in a way because they're, like, they're Irish. I mean, they, you know, they, they can't plan, like, oh or, they can't God. effectively plan this rebellion. They can't plan anything. Like, they're, they're not going to wow. be able to do it. The uh, volunteers, so they were doing this, right? They also, like, weren't letting everybody in on the plan that they had put together. They had a secret, like, a military council within the volunteers. And some of them were, like, in the the Brotherhood group, Mm -hmm. and some weren't. And okay. so they only like, only like the few would Inner know about circle. this, right? Yeah. yeah. But everyone else was just drilling and doing their own thing. Right. And yeah. so one guy, like, A.N. McNeil, he was, he was the chief of staff of this, of the volunteers, okay. but he was considered too moderate. So they were like, don't tell him. Oh, shit. But eventually he kind of finds out. He looks, <laughs> That's just, you know, looks around and is like, is, are we planning a rebellion, you know? <laughs> That's really awkward. Oh, God. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, you got us. He threatens to reveal it. Okay, but like how much of a reveal? I guess the maybe the specifics of the rebellion, I guess. Well, he's just threatening to like get in the way, uh, to stop it. Shit. Whatever, by whatever means he can, except for 
ratting to the British. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I won't do that, but <laughs> I won't tell uh, dad, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they deal with that by telling him like, well, shut up. We're doing it. <laughs> Connolly, a guy named Patrick Pierce and Tom Clark. Okay. They're like in this inner circle. And then Patrick Pierce is more of an, ide- he's not a socialist really. He's just an idealist sort of, but he's, you know, big in the, he's a teacher. He's a big cool. like, orator speechwriter sort of guy, uh, inspirational figure in the, in the revolutionary movement. Tom Clark, uh, he was also in the revolution. He had also kind of like Connolly spent some time in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he served prison time for his involvement in res- revolutionary activities. Uh, so he's also kind of one of the OG guys there. All right. Anyway, the British, like we said, they thought this was all, they're like, ah, oh, that's cute. That's not going to work. Right. But however, th- that was a stupid approach. To yeah. It. Less stupidly than that, they were monitoring rebel communications. Ooh, okay. So maybe this was where some of their confidence was coming from. They find out that there's going to be a shipment of German guns to the re- to the rebels. Oh, gosh. Which was indeed happening. They, they were getting a big shipment of arms from Germany uh, that was going to help them, you know, Get ready for the rebellion. Was this still during World War One? Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very awkward. Yeah, it is. Enemy of my enemy, very much. Yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rough one. Uh, but it's, I mean, at least it's the Kaiser's Germany, which is nowhere near as bad as like Nazi Germany later. Yes, so yeah. It's just you know, it's a low bar, but sure. All sides are kind of <laughs> shitty in an imperialist war. Yeah. So they find out about that. The volunteers, the the nationalists are too well they're too unorganized to get out there on time to actually pick up the gun shipments so like the ship but just hanging out there in the harbor and then so the british just show up and they're like cool the germans have to scuttle the ship and and run away sucks Uh, yeah yeah it's that's a bad it's bad yeah so with no guns coming mcneil the guy who found out about the rebellion he's like this is definitely gonna fail now yeah and so he Sends one of his friends out to spread the word and say, don't do the rebellion. How does that go? And he takes out an ad in the paper for (laughs) Easter Sunday saying, don't do the rebellion. Everybody stay home. It doesn't say don't do the rebellion, but it says don't go to the demonstrations. Don't do any of the things. Because they're not yet, they haven't announced we're doing the rebellion on the stage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is called like the countermanding order that he gives saying, don't do it. Okay, chickens out. However, uh, the you know the leadership's like, fuck it, we're already in it. Let's oh do gosh. it. Oh my gosh! Don't have uh, guns. What's your plan? Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> More than half the volunteers end up staying home Ooh. because of this. They're planning around four thousand plus people. Okay. They get. They end up getting like two thousand. That's not good. Okay, bad start. They're sh- They're they've showed up. They're kind of standing around waiting on Sunday. Okay. Like Sunday kind of afternoon-ish. They're standing around like, what's going to happen? Is this is not down? enough people. Okay. Fuck. Shit. Right? Okay. And it's this is mostly in Dublin. This was supposed to happen kind of nationwide, but it gets really curtailed because mm. all, of all the things falling yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. They decide, basically, that striking a really long shot, striking a very likely to fail blow, is better than striking no blow at all. Wow. Okay. We're we've come this far. 
we need to go ahead and try it and see what happens. Oh, God, okay. We might succeed. And if we fail, hopefully we fail forward. All right. James Connolly's daughter, Nora, had come to kind of like see him when he's doing this thing. And they I saw this documentary. They had an interview with her. Uh-huh. And she was saying that she said, Daddy, we're not going to fight. And he turned to me and two big tears rolled down his cheeks. And he said, if we don't fight, Nora, we can only pray for an earthquake to come and swallow us in our shame. Wow. I mean, I kind of get why they chose to continue because it's like if they didn't, then I feel like, I mean, Britain already was like listening in and shit, you know, like it just felt like you kind of lost either way. So you might as well go down fighting. Yeah, you. Nothing good's going to happen to you. Yeah. Afterward, they're not going to say, oh, well. Thanks for not rebelling. We'll be nice to you now. Like, that's not how that would work. Yeah, you were responsible. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to get anything for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they they do go ahead with it. They say, let's let's do it. Okay. Better to, like you said, better to go down fighting. So here goes the rising, Easter rising. Okay. The plan. You said, what's the plan? Here's the plan. What's the plan? We're going to take key points of the city. Okay. The British are going to show up and we're going to hold them off. Sounds like a simple plan. As as long as we can, uh, we're going to inspire people to join our cause. We're going to inspire the world to look and say, those British people are assholes. And let's see what, you know, hopefully hopefully things fix by the time, you know, while we're still standing. Okay. That's the plan. Okay. And so you have... The Irish volunteers, you have the ICA join up together. They also join it, join up with a group called the Kumina Ban. Okay. Uh, which is a women's uh, paramilitary group. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they do a mix of like support work, but also like just straight up joining up with the troops. Awesome. Shit. Uh, yeah. They're super cool. Uh, not sure if that's exactly how you say it. I think that's how I heard it on the documentary. It's not at all spelled like that, but okay. there they are. <laughs> if you get our Patreon, you'll be able to see the notes and read them. So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so the, the goal here is let's take key points in the city. So they move to key points in Dublin. They take the general post office. That's where like the headquarters is going to be. Uh-huh. And they start digging in. They start getting ready. Okay. Uh, they throw up barricades they dig trenches Mm -hmm. this ends up being kind of stupid because they took like this park right Uh and they dug trenches into it because that's what you do man i mean world war one's going on you see that's what you do in war (laughs) that's the war thing you do okay however this park is surrounded by buildings that you should take the rooftops of and then just hold the park that way yeah that'd be smarter Um, huh yeah but hey you know that's cool i was gonna say you live and you learn but you probably don't in that case you don't live in this case, <laughs> m- many of you. Uh, they issue the proclamation. Let me pull this up. The proclamation of the Irish Republic. Okay. Also known as the 1916 proclamation or the Easter proclamation. Okay. Uh, that they print it out. They distribute it. Uh, Patrick Pierce reads it on the steps of the post office. It begins. Irish men and Irish women. 
In the name of God and the dead generations from which she receives her old tradition of nationhood, Ireland through us summons her children to her flag and strikes for her freedom. Which is a dramatic dramatic, beginning to it. And the inclusion here, and I believe they mentioned them later as well, the allegiance of every Irish man and Irish woman. Mm -hmm. The inclusion of Irish women is pretty much ascribed single-handedly to James Connolly. Nice. Okay. Who said, we got to do this. Fuck yeah. There's also a passage in here that I imagine has his inspiration, which is, we declare the right of the people of Ireland to the ownership of Ireland and to the unfettered control of Irish destinies. Fuck yeah. Sounds great. So, yeah. Um, you know, the rest of it's just kind of like liberty and let's it find It sounds very stuff. nationalist, but that's cool. Yeah. But um, they issue that declaration. They say, we're our, you know, our own country. It's very aspirational because... This is a very small group. Yeah. This is the pep talk. Yes. Uh, and so they, you know, the rest of it unfolds. They make a big mistake because they don't capture Dublin Castle. Oh, man. Which sounds like, okay, well, they only had 2,000 people. How are they going to capture a castle? Yeah, that's big. Okay. It's big and empty. They have <gasps> like six British uh, troops, police and troops there. Six people. Wait, six people in the castle and they couldn't S- take them down? Six people. And the guy, well, they didn't know. They thought uh, Connolly, actually, he's leading one of the contingents and he leads his guys up there. And they there's like one dude who I, I think one guy was armed and he like shot a revolver three times. Shit. And Connolly's guys were like, oh, shit, this place is occupied. Oh, no. And they didn't take it. Oh, they, that they retreated. sucks. So, you know, our our man's cool. You know, cool ideas. But he's not a battlefield commander, I guess. <laughs> it's not his thing. That's okay. Wouldn't fucking be my thing. That's for sure. And that would be that would be the the Christine battalion. <laughs> Shit, they got <laughs> like runs away. Fuck no, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so they failed to date Dublin Castle, which you know I was like, okay, big deal. It's a, but this was apparently like the center of. It's like the center of town, right? And yeah, and it's kind of a big symbol of like, it'd be like uh, taking the Bastille yeah, in yeah. the French Revolution. It's a big symbol. It'd be the headlines. Mm-hmm. It'd be, you know, the people take Dublin Castle. That'd be cool. You know, or Dublin Castle Falls. You fly the Irish flag over yeah. it. Yeah. Like, That'd be pretty cool. You might rally the rest of your people that stayed home, you know? Damn, what would have happened if like he had just gone forward and taken it? That'd be crazy. Uh, you know, I, I think it also could have. While it would have unfolded differently, it's hard to say that it would have been an overall victory. Like, but yeah. But the symbol, I think, would be mm-hmm. very powerful. Yeah. Like you said. Uh, so they end up. They've seized some, some points in the cities. They haven't seized, uh, seized others. They. The British declare martial law. Yep. Fighting breaks out. There's tension between this small group of people that have started this. You know, this insurrection, this rebellion. Mm-hmm. And the regular people who are living there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's probably awkward. A lot of them are pissed. Yeah. They say, you want to fight? Go to France. They're fighting over there. Mm, yeah. You know? That's okay. That's another thing. A lot of people sign up for the war. Do they just have like probably like young boys and like older guys or something, you know? I mean, they didn't have a draft, did they? No, they didn't yet. Okay. Yeah. Not of, uh, not of. Irish people anyway. I don't know if they were drafting in England at the time, probably, but they hadn't drafted. I know they hadn't had a draft act in Ireland yet. They did in England because Branson got drafted in Downton Abbey. 
ah, there you go. <laughs> but I know that that was like a fear of people, you know, and actually the revolutionaries wanted there to be a draft so more people would be on their side. Mm. Um, but it hadn't happened yet. But anyway, people were pissed at them because like you said, their husbands, their sons yeah. were all fighting. Uh, and they had seized the post office, so they couldn't like go in and like get letters yeah. or payments from their loved ones, which I, I guess kind of spoke to me of kind of a disconnect between yeah. the small group and the people, which should not have been there. Yeah, like that's the know? problem when you keep things so underground is you lose that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, where I guess in past theory episodes, we mentioned the mass line or how the mm-hmm. how the Panthers would do that as well. Um, in terms of that Maoist idea of like staying connected with the base of the people that you're yeah. fighting with and for, yeah, it should be yeah definitely with rather than separate. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, uh, the British for their part also do some well. They do some way shittier things, I'm sure. like something that James Connolly was like, "No way, they won't do this. They won't shell their own city." Mm. I mean. This, you know, this is where the government is here. They can't, they can't just like shell it. Do they shell it? They shell it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They start firing mortars <sighs> into Dublin. The shock and awe. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of people die. Yeah, I bet. How many, so like casualty wise, oh, no. this ends up being on the combatant side of things you've got the irish rebel forces 66 killed okay that's not that many uh, with the british forces you've got 143 killed that's okay you have almost around 400 of them wounded no one knows how many irish rebels were wounded however you do have 260 civilians killed oh fuck okay something around you know, 2,000 plus wounded. Oh, okay. And I mean, hey, that's what happens when you start shelling a city. Yeah, shit. The rebels had killed a couple of civilians. They had, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know ultimately how many they'd killed, but I do know a couple of instances. This old guy was like getting something from one of the carts used in the barricades and they were like trying to tell him to stop and then someone fucking shot him. Wow, okay. Uh, and I was, I was like, Okay, don't do that. What the fuck? Yeah, that's a bad one. But I don't, I don't, you know, there are probably others. Yeah. But I imagine that the shelling. The shelling would do a lot of that. Yeah. Jeez. And the British also would uh, just fucking execute people. Okay. In case of civilians, uh, they basically formed a perimeter around the area that the rebels had controlled and started like closing in. Wow. Uh, and. They captured this one neighborhood, or they were. You know, it's this is house to house fighting. Yeah, you know, and they captured this one neighborhood that they saw as like a hotbed of resistance. They just executed the dudes there Shit. and took out and executed like fifteen guys. Jesus, okay. Uh, Connolly ends up getting wounded, uh, like a sniper shoots him in the leg, mm-hmm. so he ends up seriously wounded from that because uh, of the shelling. Like big parts of the city are on fire. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Patrick Purse, one of the leaders who we said, the the teacher, the inspiration, yeah, yeah. The, the kind of poet guy, uh, he looks out from the post office and sees in the street two dead old men. Oh. 
uh, holding like a like a bloodied white flag of truce. Oh. And he says, "We got it. We got to surrender. We we have lost. We know that. Yeah. We were fighting to to prove ourselves. We got to save people's lives here." Yeah. So he goes out. He he surrenders for them. Uh, this was just like six days. Wow. That the, you know, the brief Irish Republic existed. Wow. That sucks. Yeah. The rising was crushed. And the crazy thing is, from all this, is that this initial rising was very unpopular. I mean, the results weren't great. So, yeah. In the immediate, when it was happening, in the immediate aftermath, people were pissed. Yeah. People being like who? Regular citizens or like around the world? Yeah. Regular citizens. Okay. Uh, the around the world reaction is interesting too, but regular citizens in Ireland, in Dublin, were like, that was bullshit. That is like, <laughs> Guys. you got people killed. You got the British army in here killing us. You knew this wasn't going to work. Yeah. You know. Strategically it was not disloyal sound. to your country at a time when our, when our people are out there fighting and dying for it. Whatever. You know. That part sucks, but. That's how ordinary people were seeing. Yeah, yeah, I I could see it. It wasn't, you know, there were people who sympathized with them. There were a lot of people, sure, who sympathized with it and, like, thought that wasn't the right way to do it or something, you know? You know, what's interesting is that we were talking earlier about, like, governments making excuses and Mm -hmm. having this excuse of, like, we're fighting a war right now. It's like, seems like an awfully convenient way to get people to not rebel. And it's like... Wonder why mm-hmm. we're in so many wars like all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, we decided just never to cancel the Afghanistan one. Yeah. That's why we're still in there twenty years later. More than half our lives. <laughs> yeah, we were watching this. Uh, they have those documentary series. They're just like called like the two thousands or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were watching that. I think it's on HBO Max now. And um, yeah, it is just crazy to see how they just literally looked for the evidence they wanted and were like, okay, we're going. To, <laughs> we're doing a war now. <laughs> yep. And it's just like. How much of that is just to get power? Like, come on, man. It's it's, it's pretty yeah. bad. Yep. Palpatine level shit there. For sure, for sure. <laughs> uh so yeah, it's it's weird that it is initially unpopular like we said all the all the kind of struggles with the peop- that the people faced because of it. Yeah. Kind of understandable why they didn't I like think it. That's fair. The British changed that. Oh, did they come in and crush people? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah. They gave him a, a real enemy. Yeah, they decide, oh, you thought that that Easter Rising sucked. Mm. Check this out. So they decide, okay, the leaders of the Rising, they're going to execute them. Wow. Which, okay. They rebelled against your country. Standards of the time. Yeah. That's kind of what they do. So but the, the way they do this, though, however, is like slowly, not like, I don't mean like torturing wise. I just mean like they... They'd execute some people, like a few of them, and then they'd be like, you know, a few days later, execute some more. It was just a slow, steady stream of executing these guys. Was it because they were like still capturing them or was it because they wanted like more press or something? I'm not sure. I don't know if it was just like disorganized or what, Mm -hmm. but they- They They took their time about it. (laughs) And they're not really announcing it like, Mm -hmm. oh, we we killed it. So they have arrested tons of people. Yeah. They also went around to places that had not had a- really insurrections at all which is everywhere in du- besides yeah, Dublin. basically they'd gone around and, and just 
arrested anybody that they suspect enemy of the state or possible subversive Classic. or whatever. Okay. So mass arrests. Yeah. They got all these guys in prison in addition to the people that they're actually executing. Shit. And they, you know, people, what do they hear from the jail? But just, you know, a volley of shots every once in a while. Fuck, they don't know if they're fucking executing everybody that they've arrested. Mass execution. Oof. They don't, they have no idea. It's not max executions. They execute like 16 people. But it's scary. Yeah, people are left to their imagination like, what are they doing? They're fucking butchering us now, dude. Jeez, okay. People start to get pissed. They say the British are overreacting. And they also, you know, in addition to the mass arrests, there's just, you know, huge, like, police presence everywhere yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, they, they go full empire on them. And Britain's not saying, oh, you know, you guys are good. You guys didn't participate in it. They're just like, <laughs> we're over here with you Irish people who did this rebellion. You know? Yeah, they like, lump them all together. So they mm-hmm. treat them all like shit. Also, they probably would have treated them like shit before because they're oh, like yeah. racist. Sure. But it, you know, does nothing to, uh, I guess when, when people are witnessing this now, they were initially like, those guys, you know, were assholes and got people killed. But now they're just witnessing one side who's just slowly murdering folks. Yeah, and they're like, man, maybe there was a reason that they, like, rose up, because these guys do suck. Yeah, when you're looking at it, <laughs> okay, do I side with the guys who are, you know, gradually executing people, or the guys getting executed? It's like, well, these guys seem better. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing executions. Right. American opinion, you were asking about, yeah. you know, what, what do people think abroad? So, uh, in America, the New York Times, I guess, slow weekend news, because they ran, uh, they ran stories of the Easter rising for like two straight weeks. Wow. You know, they were the developments leading up to it. Uh After all, all through it front page of the New York times every time. Cool. Like this was at a time when around a third of Manhattan was Irish born. That's how many immigrants we had in, in in America. So, you know, it was a very popular story. Yeah. And like Chicago too. And like Mm -hmm. Boston, like all, all up there. Yeah, all the major population centers. Uh, American opinion uh, was already kind of, it quickly swayed onto the side of the Easter Rising. Because, you know, they read a lot into it of like, uh, they're fighting for freedom. They're A lot of nationalist stuff. They like that part. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big deal because the American diplomat talking to, you know, the British who really, really, really want America help in the war i bet or at least not their opposition in the war at this stage (laughs) yeah Uh, they're like you know shit sorry we don't mean to be assholes you know yeah yeah that's awkward internationally in terms of socialists most socialists in europe which is the majority of the socialists at the time saw it as dumb Real is it because it was so nationalist? It's because yeah. So they um, and it was kind of a coalition, right? They saw it as too nationalist. They saw, uh, which is dumb because these guys like had all fractured and supported their governments in World War One, like <laughs> right? an imperialist war. Yeah. But now they're like, how could you guys be nationalist? <laughs> it's like what you're literally doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. A lot of Bolsheviks in Russia. Yeah. Who had not yet pulled off their revolution yet, but they were, you know, almost there. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. They, most of them opposed it or thought it was dumb. Why? Were they jealous? They were like, we were about to do that. (laughs) They accused it of being mm, a putsch, a a coup, you know, a a not popularly backed Mm. attempt to seize power. Okay. They weren't with the people enough, they thought. Right. 
exceptions include Lennon. Cool. So Lennon said, <laughs> Lennon just basically said, insurrections are good, period. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> he was just like, did they, yeah, did they fight against the government? Cool. I'm into <laughs> like, it. <laughs> uh, and he said, well, he also said, in addition to that, like, hey, you know, it's a blow against the fucking British Empire. So good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they failed, but we learned something from it. You know, we can. We, yeah. Our, all our losses are lessons. I didn't realize this was before Russia. That's kind of crazy. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's before the Russian Revolution, I think, in some ways inspires them somewhat. You know, I mean, it's, like I said, a lesson at least to yeah, yeah. make sure like to seize important parts of the city, seize make sure you don't leave parts. anything out. <laughs> Be with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Trotsky, he defended it as Good. well. I like Trotsky usually. Yeah. I'll, I'd love to get to an episode on him because I always find him very charming. <laughs> we should. He definitely, he has some, I don't know, he's controversial. <laughs> mm, okay, never mind. <laughs> he's. Not, I, don't, I don't know if he's controversial for reasons that we would it's just in on, on the left mm, okay you know lennon's got more fanboys yeah but he defended it he said you know this is good it's a synthesis of nationalism sure but it's also got this anti-imperialism part to it it's uh he's kind of saw it as it blends nationalism with this anti-imperialism you know and it's a good thing in the context like it's a it's a it's a war of national liberation yeah. And you got to use some nationalism to make to that To get happen. there. Yeah. yeah. Like whatever. Whatever you need to do. And he said it was good for workers. It's just, you know, it's that's what it's ultimately, if it's fighting empire, it's going to eventually help the workers one way or the other. Hell yeah. All right. Cool. Included in the people who were executed on May 12th is when James Connolly no. is executed. He him. was captured. You know, he had been wounded. So he was kept in like a hospital. Yeah. He was allowed to see his family. Oh. And they, you know, came in, you know, kind of a tearful goodbye, basically, because so he's about to get executed. Yeah, geez. So Connolly was executed on May 12th, 1916. He uh, was so badly, you know, injured. Like I said, he'd been wounded by sniper yeah. fire. He was unable to stand before the firing squad. They took him out to the prison courtyard on a stretcher and. Like, strapped him down to a chair. Oh, my God. That's a rough way to go out. Apparently, according to accounts, he, when we did our episode on Che Guevara, we talked about how he met his death bravely and said, shoot, coward, you're only killing a man. Yeah. Uh, Connolly didn't have a line like that, but still went out bravely, apparently. You know, yeah. Puffs out his chest, hold his, holds his chin up high, and oh. uh, faces, you know, faces his murderers looks in the eye uh but he's killed yeah and this is a very like uh, everybody liked even people who weren't socialists or anything unless you were like a diehard unionist you liked Connolly. wow and so this was a this pissed people off a lot yeah and they're like what the hell this guy strapped into a chair uh, buried him along with the other executed people in a mass grave. Wow. And these people who had not supported it before are now saying, <laughs> well, they're rising, man. They were, you know, they were better than we knew, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Way to go, England. You're like shot the bed. 
Yeah. And so you see a move from supporting like the implementation of home rule and all that to saying, fuck it, that's not enough. We want to, we want to, we want a Republic an independent, nice. an independent Ireland. We want to, we want what these guys fought for because they were, you know, obviously they were the good guys and we just didn't see it. Yeah. They're on to something. Yeah. Cool. So uh, Irish people start to see the rising as good. They start to see, you know, open their eyes to see the British as shitty. Yeah. And this will lead uh, to, in the af- eventually, this will lead to the election of 1918. Okay. Uh, which is, let's see, uh, first election with an expanded electorate. Now, we don't want to okay. say it's like everybody could vote, but it was better than it was before. <laughs> okay. Uh, so for men. How bad was it? <laughs> so for men, you had to be over 21, but okay. you didn't have to own any property before this election, you had to pay an annual rental of 10 pounds or hold land that was valued at 10 pounds, which I guess was more back then. Yikes. Uh, so you had to be rich enough to vote, basically. That and sucks. be old enough. Now you just had to be old enough. For women, you had to be over 30 years old <laughs> and meet minimum property requirements as well. So you had to be a wow. rich enough woman. So, okay, so you still had to own property if you were a woman. Yeah. That sucks. Or your husband had to. Yeah. So if your husband qualified, then you were good. But so anyway, it's bullshit. But like, you know, it is, I guess, more people could vote in this election is what I wanted to say. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, in this election in 1918, a lot of things had changed. Uh Uh-huh. Because you remember the party Sinn Féin that we talked about? Mm-hmm. They were kind of moderate. They wanted, but they did want Ireland to be like its own country. But yeah, like, okay. They have evolved by okay. this point. Now they are straight up, you know, nationalist Republicans. Nice. They want a Republic of Ireland separate from the United Kingdom. Nice. And another big thing has changed for them. A good number of their members had participated in the Easter Rising. Mm-hmm. But their leadership, them as a party, they had not, mm. right? However, everybody saw their members in the Rising. And for some reason, they basically got pinned with the Rising itself. Oh. In, in the press especially, frequently they would refer to it as the Sinn Féin Rising. Wow. Uh, or they would refer to the rebels as the Sinn Féiners. Like this was a big, you know, they <laughs> they just they got a lot stumbled of into yeah. That's crazy. I wonder if it's also because like so many of the other guys got like arrested or killed. It could be. Yeah, it could like be especially leadership the, wise. The more radical members. Yeah. Yeah. That and I guess also, you know, they were the most radical group out there in terms of the national question. Yeah. You know. They weren't for home rule. They were the only group kind of not for home rule besides I guess the little the smaller socialist parties. Yeah. And so they get, you know, a, they get a lot of credit, like you said, for the rising. And by this point, people have decided that actually the rising was good. Nice. And so Sinn Féin ends up winning something like three quarters of the seats. Holy shit. Uh, from, from Ireland proper. So like this is part of the just the UK general elections. Uh-huh. All right. And they get 73 out of the hundred something seats. Hachi machi. Landslide victory. Yeah. Pretty much only in Ulster, <laughs> where the unionists win big. Yeah. 
they get 20 something seats there pretty much yeah, all the seats it's all from they them. get it's it's a big divide mm-hmm. right it's Sinn Féin across the board unionists up here yeah that's how the elections go a landslide victory that they are really feeling man they're feeling pretty good about I that bet. and so one thing that they had promised you know as this republican party as this separatist party was that they weren't if they you know if you elected them they weren't planning on going to parliament they were planning on you know not you know, abstaining doing their own thing Ooh. leading to ireland ourselves okay right? and when they get this many people and you know, when they get this many seats they're like great everyone loves us let's do it <laughs> cool 21st of january 1919 the Elected representatives from Sinn Féin do like they said they were going to do. They refuse to take their seats in Parliament. And instead of that, they declare an independent Irish Republic and they form their own Parliament called the Doyle Aaron. That is awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> very like, cool. We'll do it ourselves. <laughs> I wish we can do that. <laughs> we should, yeah, we should form a party where we say we're not going to the House of Representatives or the Senate. We're forming our own Soviets and deal yeah. with it. That'd be great. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And that's, you know, that starts the Irish Wars of Independence. I think that's where we'll kind of come to a stopping point for now. Oh, man. We'll revisit these guys. <laughs> the Wars for Independence, later on the Civil War, uh, and then the Troubles. Okay. That one's just vague and ominous. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a shitty name because it's like, I, I don't know, it sounds like it has kind of a British perspective of... Well, there's a little bit of troubles going yeah, on. Yeah, it sounds there, very you know? petty. Yeah, but it's not. It's like a it's a war for liberation and it's a big deal. I don't know. We'll get into it later, but it's yeah, it is a big deal. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. just it's kind of trivializing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Wow, that was a lot. I love when you just tell me a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I you know, I didn't cover everything. I mean, you know, there's so much going on, you know, we'll see and we'll see some more of these same characters later. Some people we didn't really mention, they didn't have like the biggest mm-hmm. impact yet, but they will. You know, we got Michael Collins, uh Eamon De Valera, tons of guys that we need still even need to mention that were playing a part here, but Okay. Overview. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say and this is just an overview, y'all. Yeah. We'll get to it. Well, cool. That was really cool. I want to, I have questions. Yeah. Let me pull let's, up my notes. Let's do it. So the, I guess these aren't really questions. These are more like topics for discussion. I like it. All right. So I want to talk about nationalism because I think you and I are, were raised and, you know, now believe in a time of like nationalism here is bad. <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> so... But it's really interesting because as we're talking about this, and I think this also happened in Open Veins a lot too, there's a lot mm-hmm. of these nationalist movements. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be bad. I think it's just when you pair it with imperialism, it's defo bad. Yes. And it can, I feel like it can easily go bad. It can, yeah. I mean, when you, like you said, when you start doing imperialism with it, mm-hmm. or racism, terrible. or racism, yeah. Mm-hmm. When it's used as a way to oppress, yeah. And then it's bad. When it's used, yeah. when it's used to oppress it's when it's used to oppress the capitalist. That's not really oppressing, that's just going to war with the capitalist. And that's <laughs> yeah, whatever. Good. But if it's used to oppress like, you know, the common people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think that's an interesting theme throughout these revolutions and like I thought it was interesting that some of like the Russians didn't like that. Um because I'm like I mean, as long as they weren't 
I guess they weren't nationalists. They were just purely worker-led or worker-driven. It depends on who, yeah. Well, depends on yes. who you're talking about, but... They weren't nationalists, though, because they weren't. Russia wasn't a country that was dominated by any other group. So when you're talking about yeah. countries that are dominated by imperialist powers, you want nationalism as a way to rally people against that oppressor. Yeah. It's a good way to get people to work together to throw off the yoke. Yeah, that's a good point, because here we don't need nationalism because, like, we're we're the bad guys. We're the yoke, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like being a nationalist for, like, the Empire in Star Wars. It's like, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah, they're already in charge. The Russians were the same way. They were imperialist against all these, you know, these republics that break out later in, in terms of, like, uh, the Baltic states mm-hmm. and uh, various other. Like, I mean, they were doing empire. So you don't want to be cheering for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's. That's an interesting, I guess, I don't know, because I, yeah, I, I see the appeal of nationalism in some ways, because like, I do think culture is powerful, and it can tie us together in meaningful ways. But like, I, you just have to be careful about how you use it, I guess. And that was a big part that we really didn't highlight in this is that uh, Irish culture, a revival of Irish culture was a big part of the lead up to the rising, the lead up to mm. the revolution is people were saying, you know, Patrick Pierce, and these guys were saying, like, we should, you know, embrace the irish language again we should embrace you know gaelic sports like gaelic football yeah and uh and dress and and poems and plays and stuff that embraces our history our culture that was yeah. a big a big part of the movement as well didn't really align as much with socialists so we didn't focus on it but yeah i mean that's they did that in mexico too they're like okay yeah like let's embrace our like mestizo culture and like mm-hmm. you know really show that and they even did that i mean this is my next note for discussion is through religion too like they they would like use like symbols like the virgin mary and stuff for yeah like ways to rise up and i don't know it's interesting because like i'm not a religious person so i it's i mean we could def do a whole episode and several episodes about like how religion and socialism can or don't or should or not should interact (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could and i think we would We'd have some in- interesting things to talk about because, you know, I've occasionally peppered a couple of verses here and there just because I like its appeal. In yeah. So I think we could have some fruitful discussions there. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting tool, and I don't mind when people use it. I think, again, it's just it's the oppression game. <laughs> yeah, it has a dangerous edge to it. You were talking mm-hmm. about the Mexico example. Or you were talking about, like, the war for independence there yeah or like the because in that you know you end up afterward fighting like liberals versus conservatives there's this like religious element to that too this Mm -hmm. anti-clericalism versus like let's make the religion official and like you know like there's yeah like there's a lot of land issues with the church like Mm -hmm. and tax issues so like you have to be careful about it (laughs) yeah for sure yeah I, i think in this case i guess it becomes a problem once the, yeah, it'll become a, you know, it'll become part of the problem later on, the religious element of it. Yeah. Because it just serves to divide, you know, keep the North yeah. and the South divided. Interesting. Okay. I mean, those were my two big points. Just like, I, I think it's, I mean, I, it feels like that revolution was very like coalition based. And so like, they're using whatever tools they had to reach people. And mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because it sounded like it was like a lot of little groups. Yeah, that's a good way to put it is there wasn't like a main, we are the 
leading force behind this until you get Sinn Fein in yeah. power and do this at the very end. There <laughs> they fall into it. Yeah, they end up, oh, whoa, shit, we're in charge. But like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. There's all these different groups working sort of with each other, kind of. Yeah. So kind of all you could agree on was, we like Ireland. We don't (laughs) like Britain. We want Ireland to, you know, have have more more power. Yeah. Yeah. Some degree of that, depending on, yeah. Not be dominated. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess that's part of the reason it's so, it's kind of so open-ended. I think that's interesting, too, because of how different people interpreted it. Like, you had Americans being like, sounds good, because they just saw the nationalist part and were like, I love liberty. It's my faith. My my father came from Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, I came from Ireland, you know? Yeah. And then, like, you'd have Russians be like, no, this is too national. Like, I thought that was very interesting is the the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does make sense. You have very few people who have such a direct connection. Uh, with Ireland and Russia yeah. than we do compared to America. And uh, that is a simplistic and it's there's no class analysis behind that. I don't want to say it's how people should look at it, but I think it's a very human reaction to be like, those are my people. You mm-hmm. know? And if, if you're raised and, and you would be raised if you were raised in Ireland in, you know, a, in a Catholic area of it, if you were raised as a common person there. Yeah. You'd be raised like on the stories of what the British had done to your people for generations. For sure. For sure. I can totally see that. So, again, it's not a sophisticated way to look at it, but that's, <laughs> I could see where people would, would have that feeling. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting the aspect of uh, the failure mm-hmm. of the rising. Like the rise, it, it fucking failed. Right? Yeah. It was, that was very bad. They got crushed. Yeah. And like the people weren't even for it, like that's pretty rough. Yeah, but I, I uh, was looking at it, and it seems like it's almost mm, like a propaganda of the deed situation. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go do this thing, and we might fail, and we'll probably, you know, we may die, very likely. But they do end up like propaganda of the deed r- almost never works. Yeah. Pretty much. Like we, we've seen, you know, uh, what was it? Berkman going up there and, and shooting and not oh, even yeah. killing, ending up shooting that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it usually just ends up in backlash against your group. Just one one guy just gets executed and everyone's like mad at you. People get arrested. Yeah. And yeah. in this case, yeah, people did get arrested. People got executed. But the I guess it was so unfairly applied that it kind of it inspired people to action yeah i thought that was cool i mean not cool but (laughs) i thought it was it was interesting that yeah that people initially like in ireland didn't like it and then like the british just made it so much fucking worse than they needed to but like yeah i i think i'm very curious like if they hadn't done this like i think it would have been a much slower rise of that movement and i think that's what you're seeing now in the states where it's just like we don't have a movement and so we're all just kind of dying slowly <laughs> so so we're just like kind of just getting like ground down into nubs basically yeah yeah for sure oh, bummer <laughs> <laughs> we're doing too much of the uh of the moderating of the sail trimming we got to demand the earth yeah right yeah <laughs> Literally, please don't destroy the earth. <laughs> yes, d- demand Can the we earth, have that earth, the earth still? keeps existing. <laughs> uh, so what do you think uh, of our guy, James Connolly? He, he was a prominent figure here, and, and there were lots of 
actors possible to focus on, but I wanted to focus on him because he's yeah. the revolutionary guy, you know? I liked him a lot. I liked all of his shit. I loved his kind of like intersectionality element of like tying in like, all right, feminism, all right, anti-imperialism, all right, anti-capitalism. Like those yeah. are my favorite things. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'd be a little de Leonist and be like, yeah, the religion part's on my fave, but that's cool. You do you. <laughs> yeah. Just don't make me do it. That's fine. So, And yeah. uh, he definitely didn't want to make anyone do that. That's a good point to bring up that i think i left out when i was mentioning the declaration mm -hmm. it's not like they would like hate protestants for being protestants it would they, they probably just didn't like them because they didn't want ireland to be free oh yeah you know no they it's not even that they didn't like them they were openly appealing to protestants to join in yeah like come on this will be cool for you especially you know especially james Connolly and people in his movement they were saying we've got to appeal to protestant yeah. working class people like yeah that whole religion thing, the, the British are using that to divide us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it makes no sense for us to be fighting against them. We have to, you know, unite with them. That's the only way we're going to win. For sure. But yeah, they, they definitely weren't uh, wanted to work with them. In the proclamation, they say, the Republic guarantees religious and civil liberty, equal rights and equal opportunities to all its citizens, and declares its resolve to pursue the happiness, blah, blah, blah. You know, but like... yeah. Everybody's in. in there. Yeah. Everybody join up. But yeah, I thought he was super cool. Um, I mean, not a great battle guy, but that's cool. You know, you don't have to be good at everything. <laughs> and and um, I did look him up. And while I don't think he's hot, I do think he's cute. So <laughs> like I, I would go on a date with him. You know? Yeah. He's. Uh, he looks sweet. Uh, don't don't have <laughs> heroes, but he uh, he's only shitty at battle. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, just, he wasn't like racist, right? We got, always no. got to ask that question. So no, that's the thing. I, I did not find any instances of <laughs> him being, you know, bigoted. Problematic. Probably, yeah, problematic, any of these things. I mean, he was, you know, like I said, pretty much people liked him pretty if they cool. knew him. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think that comes down to his overall like internationalist anti-imperialist approach because when he's talking about all those places like you immediately realize like no he he fucking cares about brown people you know mm -hmm. like yeah pretty cool yeah he's dope James Connolly yeah. be like him I like him all right are we did we do it are we, we done we did it oh we're like a fourth of the way done but <laughs> oh yeah for sure there's so <laughs> much more that's cool. That's cool. We'll have a series. Yeah. But this was, like I said, just kind of introducing this concept of Ireland fighting for its freedom, fighting for the people, uh, fighting against imperialism. Yeah. Yeah. We're always into that. Yeah. All right. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're going we're gonna to watch a movie. Hell yeah. That's good. I figured I'd give you a break from researching. <laughs> And I didn't want to research again, so movie. All right. Uh, we're going to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. All right. So this is about the Black Panthers, right? Fred Hampton? Hell yeah. Yeah. This is about Fred Hampton and the FBI informant, Bill O'Neill, who oh, infiltrated his way in and led to Hampton's murder at the hands of the FBI. I think it's Chicago police, actually. All right. So, yeah, we've already talked about the Black Panthers. That is episode 29, if you want to go back and listen to that. But, yeah, I'm excited to get to this. I remember we, we saw this was coming out, like, 
pretty close to when we started the podcast and we immediately put it on our list. So yeah. we've been waiting. <laughs> I've heard mixed reviews too, so I'm excited. Interesting. Okay. Like someone said it wasn't left enough and then some other people said it was good. So who knows? I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it's not because it's Hollywood. <laughs> okay. I'm excited though. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Closer look at a subject we've talked some about, but again, that was also a, a pretty much an overview of, <laughs> so there's always yeah. more to get into. So that is on HBO Max if you want to go watch that or steal an account from somebody, <laughs> however yeah. you get your paws on it. And um, if not, uh, we'll just tell you about it. So tune in next week for that. Sounds good. Okay. In the meantime, if you need your communist internet fix, you can find that on these places such as Instagram at Teach Me Communism, Twitter at Teach Communism. You can send us an email, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Are you sensing a theme here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you can send us an email if you want to send us a question or suggestion for a future episode, um, cool stuff like that. Um, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a super helpful way for people to find the show. So yeah. please go rate and review us there. Do it. Tell us, tell yeah. everyone, tell us and everyone how great we are. That would be great for me personally. <laughs> uh what else we have a patreon patreon.com slash teach me communism for five dollars a month you get access to our notes i'm sure grady's notes for this are very robust yeah it's a lot it kind of tailed off closer <laughs> to the end because when it gets to the war i just kind of bullet point things because i'm not a military historian but yeah i find that stuff boring but uh i've got that this is maybe an aside but i've got like some paper notes that I was right. Like I, sh I sent you that picture of the thing because I was yeah. like trying to plan this, like trying to figure out some stuff. And sometimes paper helps with that. And I also have my old like college notes. I was going to ask if you want to upload those. I kind of do. Yeah. You'll also get access to Grady's old college notes. What's that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was just a lousy liberal at the point at that point, but, Oh, but Hey, let's, you were getting there. You were dappling, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they're helpful in the big pick. This is a this is too much information, honestly. But if you want it, it'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> For you nerds out there, or if you're in a class right now and you need that, they'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the proceeds from Patreon does uh, go to a mutual aid fund. We'll pick one at the end of, I guess, this year. Um, so it's not lying in our pockets. Yeah, unless of course we end up, uh, you know declaring a people's republic and starting a soviet <laughs> all those funds will of course go to to our, the soviet yeah but. yeah yeah we'll see yeah. <laughs> it depends how this blizzard goes honestly for all you rising planners out there <laughs> yeah if i need to hunker down and start a commune because it's blizzard i'll let you know <laughs> um what else oh we're on youtube uh, i think it's the last plug i got for you so just give us a search there if that's your preferred method and i think that's it all right Cool. And that concludes our episode. Hopefully you learned quite a bit about the revolution in Ireland. Dude, I totally did. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I knew Jack shit, so this was great. It's cool. It only gets cooler. Uh Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's Yeah, I was like sad when you stopped. I was like, oh no, I wanted to find out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for being a great student as always. Thanks for teaching me. And listeners, you guys can tune in next week for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.
remember that we don't demand too much. We only want the earth. Yes, please. 